Welcome to the Fundraising Elevator, where we're all headed up. This podcast is a production of ElevateNonprofit.com, an online learning platform for fundraising event professionals. We're coming to you today from the studios of the AV department. Please welcome our hosts, Kristen Steele and Samantha Swaim. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fundraising Elevator, where we're all headed up. I'm Kristen Steele, here with Samantha Swaim, and we... This is a good one, y'all. This is a really good one. It's it's our favorite fundraiser who's in studio with us today, Juan Martinez. We've known Juan for a long time, and uh, we are so honored for you to come and spread your wisdom today. Um, We want to talk to Juan about the ask because a lot of folks are trying to figure out how to fundraise without making an ask, without (laughs) building relationships, and all those critical pieces that we think are really at the base of being a great fundraiser. So we thought, let's go straight to the source and let's bring an amazing fundraiser in and get kind of pull the curtain back on how you do what you do and what that looks like. So um, you cultivate folks and build relationship with folks to be able to make these really elegant asks that feel like a win-win. And that is the secret sauce for you that makes you great at fundraising. And so we really want to tap into some of your brilliance today. But before we do that, we're going to make you feel slightly awkward and listen as Sam reads your official bio. It's a, it's a pretty impressive it bio. Is, it is, it is. Uh, Juan Martinez has been a leader and supporter of local, regional, and national nonprofits and social justice campaigns for nearly two decades. He served as the development director for over eight years at Basic Rights Oregon before becoming the vice president of new business development for Metropolitan Group, a creative and strategic communications agency committed to working for social change. He has also been the program director for American Leadership Forum of Oregon, working side by side with other leaders to make a positive impact in our community across the state. Juan now works as the director of philanthropy at Latino Network, where he's been for five years overseeing day-to-day development tasks and coordinating the organization's huge and phenomenally successful (laughs) annual gala that just occurred, Noche Bea. We are honored to know him, and we are so lucky to work beside you and work in partnership with you and to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, both of you. It's so good to see you, Kristen and Sam. So I really feel honored to be here to have a conversation with you. Well, we're so great. Love it. (laughs) Well, I want to start just with kind of a big picture basic question because I think we have a lot of new people in the sector right now. There's been a lot of evolution and a lot of new people that are fundraising. So where do you find joy in the work of fundraising? Uh, That's a really powerful and great question. I... uh, And I get that question asked quite a bit, actually, quite often. And so I tell folks when they ask me that, that it's really important for me to um, get out there and share the story about Mm -hmm. the work of the organization that I'm I'm attached to and um, really elevate the passion that I have for that work and make sure that they see it. And when they do and they have a connection to it, um, that excites me. So mm-hmm. I see an opportunity for a relationship for the organization to be developed and for a process to begin to bring those that person in yeah. to engage in whatever way possible to support the, the important work. And so I just like getting out there and being in spaces, uh, meeting people who want to give back, 
to the community and just make a big difference. And so I just, I'm kind of strategic and just putting myself in those spaces intentionally mm. uh, outside of the work day, because that's when you uh, make connections uh, that are that are new and uh, that can help grow the base for the organization that you're attached to. So uh, I spend a lot of time out there in community and meeting people and telling them what I do uh, about the organization and just getting them to to uh, to be interested to learning more. So uh, just opening the door for uh, some sort of an engagement to happen possibly. So I like the challenge of that. I want to know even more specific what getting out there is for you because I think <laughs> if you're talking to like a new fundraiser, it's so it's so beautiful to watch you talk to people about your work because it's so intuitive for you. Mm-hmm. But for a new fundraiser who's like overwhelmed by the idea of fundraising, it's like I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to be out there? What does that look like? I get you know being at events in the community. Uh, other nonprofit organization partner events, galas, fundraisers, uh, you know, community uh, gatherings down at City Hall, uh, summer and spring events. I just make sure that I'm not missing anything that's important. I'm, you can't be at everything all the time, right. but there are key places where you know um, there's going to be interesting people that. Uh, that think like you do, that think like I do, that would be um, supportive and possibly, uh, you know, willing to take action and get engaged in the work that I'm involved with. So I just, I, I like being out there and yeah. meeting people. And um, it, it can be a little overwhelming for folks to actually go into spaces like that, but yeah. I enjoy um, just uh, seeing what's out there and staying in tune with what's out there because that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's interesting to talk to somebody who's really at a height of craft. Mm. And that's what I think of you when I think of you. Um, And also, if I see it happening in your social media, I have pretty immediate FOMO. It's like, oh, I guess we should have been there. (laughs) Um, But you, you do, for all intents and purposes, look like you're everywhere all the time. And yet in knowing you, none of that is inauthentic. It's Mm -hmm. just the water you swim in Mm -hmm. and it's how you go. And there's an integration of what you're doing all the time Mm -hmm. that's really smart strategically. Mm -hmm. Yet we all start somewhere, (laughs) right? And so I think it can be really helpful for folks to think about where, how did you get into development? Where did you start? And what was that piece of advice you were given as a young development professional that really helped? Oh my goodness. That's, that's, it takes me back takes me back to like 2004, 2005, one of those two years. I can't remember exactly, but I was working for my family small business in Newburgh, Oregon. So I'd been there for about five years working for my father's company, and, and that was great and all, but um, there was something missing about the work that I was doing. And so I started volunteering at uh, nonprofit organizations here in the Portland area, volunteered at uh, Cascade AIDS Project on their AIDS Walk Committee. Uh, met some amazing people there, like Craig Arnston and uh, uh, who else? Thomas Bruner, a bunch of amazing uh, leaders in the community who yeah. um, were kind of tapped in and knew people. And so uh, it was a great opportunity to to be a part of that uh, annual event at CAP. Uh, and then from there, um, I was asked to be on the board of Q Center before Q Center actually had 
an organization established, like a physical space. Um, it was basically a board uh, tasked to just get out there and share the story about why the LGBTQ plus community needed a space like this, a safe welcoming space in our area in yeah. Portland. And so that was obviously something that was meaningful for me as I identify as a gay man. So this is uh, this was right up my alley. And so um, joined the board and I worked alongside amazing folks who uh, were experienced fundraisers themselves, yeah. uh, volunteer board members who were willing to share and um, kind of walk through some of the key best practices, uh, so to speak, of what it means to to make an ask and to get the story out there about the organization. And so it was a really good learning opportunity for me to be part of the Key Center board back in t- uh, 2005. And so um, after some trial and error, I became a more and more comfortable um, meeting with people, setting appointments, having coffee, and sharing that vision of the organization and getting them excited about getting involved. Um, And so I discovered that that was something I needed to do full time. And so decided to leave my family's business. my father was understanding. He was very supportive. He saw what I was doing in the community with all these other nonprofits, and he lo- and he knew that I loved my time in um, giving back and making a difference. And I wanted to do that full time. And so, uh, someone at Basic Rights heard that and met with me, and we had a process about a, an opening there within the organization. Um, and this was in 2008, and I joined the staff as a de- uh, development coordinator. Uh, uh, for the organization. It was really exciting. And then you raised millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Where I learned how to do more around fundraising and what that looked like about uh, connection and building and building meaningful relationships and, and sharing that story and vision. And practice does make, per- make perfect because yeah. it was very uncomfortable for me. It was very, you know, um, it just, it took a lot of work for me to feel like I had... Uh, just the basic skill around meeting people and being comfortable and confident mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Um, that ask. And that takes a little bit of time. It, yeah. you know, it depends on the person, but it takes time to be uh, comfortable because money is money. It's, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to talk about money. Yeah. And I grew up in a, in a household that was that way. We didn't speak about money. You just worked hard to, to earn that money and uh, you don't talk about it with people. So... Um, now I'm doing this, you know, out there and bringing uh, dollars into organizations, and and I don't have that that hiccup. I don't have that uh, that barrier. I'm. It's about getting people excited to to play a role in making change happen, and so it's it's good. What do you think? Just as a follow up on that, we have a consultant locally who talks about sort of how we are as fundraisers coming out of our personal relationship to money mm-hmm. and what that looks like. What do you think sort of, you know, you have your family story around money and what that is. Right. And now you as a fundraiser have a very different story about mm-hmm. money and money as um, opportunity, money as community, um, and that you're actually looking for ways for your donors to make impact and for their personal mission to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. What do you think was that shift for you in terms of what shifted do you think to make that that space feel like, 
oh, this is an invite I can make for others now. Yeah, I think it was just having more and more conversations and having them actually lead to something great <laughs> for the yeah. organization. That really, that's what started yeah. to do it for me. Once I saw that, okay, I can bring in some money here. This is actually working. Um, and that made me more comfortable with the yeah. process. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when I started to tell others, mainly my team that I was working with at Basic Rights, saying, hey, this is how we're going to do this. This is what's working well. Let's continue that and um, join me in on meetings. I want to help you. I want to help you all get comfortable, too, because yeah. it's, it's a team effort. Not everybody can make all the ask for for an organization. It has to be shared with the development staff, uh, the executive director, board of directors. They all have to play a role. So yep. um, there's it's a lot of work involved. I want to ask you about that that sort of delineation of roles, though, um, because you taught me something that I now teach to others all the no, time. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> it's true. That's not true. That everyone in the organization has relationships and that even if they're not making an ask, even if they're not the ones that are actively raising money, they're still cultivating relationships in the work. Mm-hmm. And you had some really beautiful, simple tools that you created to help other people feel comfortable with that relationship cultivation. You also did a lot of work with the executive director partnership of how do you set up your executive director. But all, all of that kind of distilled down to and boiled down to you being in community and helping other people to be in community. Mm-hmm. And you talked about coffee dates and you talked about talking to donors. I think that you have elevated your relationship to your donors now where your donors are actually your friends Mm -hmm. and you've developed real authentic relationships to donors. But how did you first sort of start with a new organization and connecting to maybe donors you haven't met before? Like where did that evolve from? How did you start the outreach if you were new at an organization? No, good. I love that because it's important to... um, uh, and kind of just dive in and, and see what's going on with uh, the pool of supporters and, yeah. and see if there's any connections that I already had existing that I knew from from previous work. But it's it's really in partnership with the executive, executive directors. I've, I've always made it a point to join the executive director on meetings, mm-hmm. say, hey, can I come to that meeting with you so I can get to know that person? Uh, so that's one simple way. Um, and then I, I, I made sure I had a list of all of our top uh, supporters based on giving history, kind of engagement with the organization. And I started just reaching out to them and emailing them, phone calling them and saying, hey, I'm new with the organization. <laughs> I'd love to get some time with you on your calendar. It's really about just reaching out. Yeah. And I find that people appreciate that there's that effort to yeah, like, yeah. oh, wow, they want to get to know me. They're new. That's exciting. Let's talk. So that really has worked well for me uh, um, in, in past uh, experiences. And then when we have events, when I'm with, uh, at an organization that's new, um, I make sure that I place myself like at the entries uh, as a greeter. So I'm there meeting everybody as they walk in. So yeah. I want to make sure I'm touching as many uh, folks um, with a hello, my name is, just making those connections as much as possible. So I'm just trying to place myself where I'm visible. At, at larger events that we're having. so It's interesting. I'm working with a couple of organizations right now that have all new teams. There's been you know, a lot of 
transition in the sector. And the question I get, <laughs> excuse me, asked most often is, how do we even start this? Like, where do we even begin? And I feel like the newness is actually a resource because you have the opportunity to go ask people to tell you about the work of the organization and to say, why have you been involved? You've been involved a lot longer than I have. I'm mm -hmm. new here. Yeah. So you tell me. And that, like, people will unpack their baggage <laughs> for you and tell you their stories. Oh, yeah. And I think you've done that really well. As you've transitioned from organization to organization, you've frequently kind of had that 100 people, 100 day mm -hmm. sort of target of who do I need to talk to and right. learn from. Right. And, you know, there's that adage of ask for advice and get money, ask for money and get advice. Uh -huh. I think that you've done a really beautiful job when you're new in a position of being in that role of tell me about this work, tell me why you're invested, asking for their advice, and then yielding lasting relationships out mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. So I think that Thank like you. getting into the relationship is the thing that I think people are scaredest of. And yet that's <laughs> where the revenue comes from. Mm -hmm. It's fun too to make a connections and see who I know yeah. uh, that's in the mix, like who's at the, who's on the board, who's you know who's in the major donor pool, who's involved with capital campaign, whatever. Because I've been around since 1993, so I do know some people here and there. Yeah, yes. and I'm older, so I've been around. <laughs> so that's also it, that's also a benefit. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, work in progress, process. Yeah, I think what's interesting too is. Um, Good fundraisers have two components they have to battle. Time, mm -hmm. meaning cultivation as an idea inherently has to take place over time, right? Right. So there's the piece of getting into relationship. You actually have to get on a phone mm -hmm. or be in conversation with people. So that's one barrier for folks. But then that has to keep happening over time, which mm -hmm. is the barrier for folks. So true. Sometimes. Um, you know, when... Folks and organizations are burdened with, we have to raise 200K in 60 days. It's like, or whatever that looks like. Uh -huh. That doesn't necessarily make room for both of those things. It should just be happening all the time. So uh -huh. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you continue to cultivate folks and build relationships with folks outside of the ask. Uh -huh. So that when you have to make the ask, you have the cachet to do that. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? It's tricky, yeah. but it's yeah. a, such important. It's an important process to put into action and into motion. I mean, we need to make time to call and connect with those supporters in between the asks. And so that's a priority piece of work that I've put on my plate uh, throughout the year, and then I give the executive director priority as well. That person needs to be in touch, mm -hmm. talking with updates, giving updates to our donors and supporters. That's a priority piece. And there's end of discussion. So that has to happen. So I provide lists to the executive director um, that, that he uh, calls and he's like a signed list of donors that he's responsible for. And so I have my list. He has his. We have a board fundraising uh, committee of six people, they all have their list of mm -hmm. folks that they reach out to as well. They then that's been really helpful uh, to to really pull in the board support there because, yeah. like I said earlier, one person can't do all of this for the entire organization. It has to be a shared workload or, or load, or it's not going to get done. Yeah. And when supporters and donors see 
us reaching out and, and making an effort. Not We don't always get to have the meeting, but as long as there's effort, they appreciate yeah. the... Um, the, the left messages, the email sent, they're like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. Um, when I see them out at a, a community event, they're like, um, thank you so much, let's talk soon. There's that ongoing kind of trust that's happening, that genuine mm-hmm. connection, and folks really appreciate that, and uh, it goes a long way. So that's work that needs to happen, and it needs to be shared among, a t- among the team. And I don't want to minimize the amount of effort there. I don't. Yeah. That's not what I'm intending yeah. to do. But broken down into a simplest thing, donor name, that's literally a phone call <laughs> or so an true. email, right? Like yeah. it, it doesn't have to, you don't have to work yourself up to a, into a whole speech. <laughs> uh-uh. There doesn't have to be a 20-minute story. It's no. literally like, Joe, I'm just checking in. Yeah. I have this really cool thing that came across my plate, and I thought of you, and I want to share it with you. It's so true. Exactly. You know, when you worked at Basic Rights Oregon, we were big donors to the organization. (laughs) And we often got those calls from you, from your team, that were just, we have news to share calls. And it said to us that we were part of the work, that we were part of the organization. Yeah. And it, it isn't necessarily a ask in the moment. It's simply... We, you know, we have big news, and we wanted you to be one of the first to know. We just passed the legislative agenda, and we wanted you to know. Or we're having a get-together to um, thank our governor for the work that they're doing as an ally. We want you to be involved. That It was just kind of a regular touch base that mm-hmm. we got from the organization. And I think the thing that I've often seen in your work on the receiving end as a donor is that you prep whoever is calling us with enough information that unlike other organizations we give to where we get a call that's specific to the dollar amount, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a board member. We've never met, but I want to thank you for your gift. And usually they name the dollar amount. Mm-hmm. I get a call from Tony, and he says, who's your current executive Correct. director, and he says, I want to thank you for your donation, but I also want to thank you for all the work that you did on our event and thank you for an incredibly special event. Mm-hmm. That says to me that you've done your work to prep Tony to make sure that when he's calling, he knows that it's a more holistic picture. Mm-hmm. And I think donor, there's a real conversation in the community right now about moving towards community-centric fundraising where mm-hmm. donors are more than just dollar amounts. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you are really good at prepping your executive director, giving them what they need to actually make an impactful call. And half those calls I get, well, like the executive director is en route to a meeting. Like I can hear them driving. Oh, right. And it's not any less meaningful. Mm -hmm. You know, you've still, you've given them the prep that they need Mm -hmm. to make a meaningful connection. And so bravo to you on the fact that cultivation is sort of this continual thing to the point now, you and I had a conversation last week right before your event. Uh Uh-huh. And you said, yeah, I'm going to text that donor and ask for a lead gift for our appeal. (laughs) The fact that you can text a donor to ask for a lead gift speaks a lot to that cultivation work that you've done. That's the payoff. It is, yes, yes. You've put in how many hours Mm -hmm. to to get to that point? Yeah. Yeah, that's the time piece. And also, I mean, going back to just being in community, seeing people on a regular basis in between stuff that I'm doing with my own organization that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, they they see that you're out there interested in other things happening yeah. within Portland. Um, they, I think it says something, right? Yeah. And then also, I don't want to uh, forget this, you have to have people come 
and just celebrate with us. Yeah. yeah. Reception to thank our donors and supporters. At least once, twice a year, you have to have those kind of events that f- make them feel special, valued. Yeah, it's such it's it doesn't it doesn't have to be big. It can be a small reception with some some food, wine, cheese, and then a quick thank you from our staff. It just it makes them feel appreciated. So yeah, yeah. so that's that. something that we do on a regular basis as well. Well, on that note, let's take a little bit of a pause. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back. Fantastic. All right. The Fundraising Elevator is recorded at the AV Department in Portland, Oregon. For years, they've been our trusted partner, delivering exceptional audiovisual production and videography for nonprofits. In 2020, they transformed into a dynamic live streaming studio, producing more than 900 virtual and hybrid events. Now, we embark on an exciting journey together to bring you this podcast. Seeking the best in live events, video production, and live streaming? We proudly recommend our friends at the AV department. Link in the episode description. All right, welcome back. We're here with Juan Martinez, Development Director Extraordinaire, one of the best fundraisers we know. That's too kind. It's so true, though. And we've invited you here because I think that there are a lot of people that are new in fundraising that are looking at where do I even start? Mm -hmm. And so we've talked about the fact that sort of our own money story, our own relationship to money becomes a part of it. Building relationship is a big component, having that connection to people. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to making an actual ask, how do you approach that? What is your sort of go-to for sitting down with someone and asking them to make a sizable gift? Mm-hmm. No, it's a great question. It's it's really about that um, just making the whole situation comfortable for both yourself and for the donor. Yeah. So it's starting off the conversation with simply like, how are things going? What have you been up to this? What did you do this last weekend? Not prying into their personal lives, but just taking a moment to get to know somebody and to ask about their lives. That really actually makes a big difference. It does. They're like, oh, wow, that's nice. It signals that they're not they're not just meeting with somebody about dollars, dollars, dollars. Yeah. There's a process happening here. There's a yeah. connection and a relationship being established. So it's about being authentic mm-hmm. and making sure that your eye, your eye contact is there, that you are listening. Mm. They want to be heard. And that's something that I got as advice when I was uh, starting out in this work is like, make sure that you listen to what they have to say and make sure that you're paying attention to that. Yeah. That goes a long way. So the donor will tell you. I mean, they'll tell you why they give, they'll tell you what they want to give to. Yeah. I mean, the listening component. So, how often do you ask open ended questions? Do you just. Like, I need 10000 from you, or are you using, like, more, what do you love about this work or this organization? What's your sort of process in approaching an ask? Mm-hmm. I usually go into a conversation knowing what I, th- what I likely will ask, because mm-hmm. I've just done the, the research in the background based on, you know, the donor's giving history um, with our organization or with other organizations out in the community. And so, so that comes into play. Um, and then just... Uh, you know, their level of engagement. If yeah. it's a first-time donor, it's not going to be something monumental typically um, unless there's a, a situation that that has opened up that there could be um, because they took a meeting in the first place. So 
uh, it just kind of depends. It's a case by case basis, really. And so um, I go into the uh, conversation talking about um, what we're building support for and making sure that they have clarity around that. And um, I often mention who else has been on board? Like, mm-hmm. what other companies have signed up for this? What other donors have uh, have have committed and lended their support? Folks like to hear yeah. often who else is in the mix of of, of supporting our cause, and it, it makes them think, "Oh, wow! I, you know, that person I know or I've heard of that name. That's interesting." So it, you know, just kind of offering up that that communities coming in. Here are some mm-hmm. big yeah. players mm-hmm. that can go a long way as well. So I've been on the receiving end of that conversation <laughs> in which it says to me, I'm not the one that's going to be putting all, all the money for this organization to exist. Mm-hmm. It says there's a whole community of support. It kind of creates a sense of trust. Yeah, that's true. Because it, I think so. It shows, it demonstrates that other people are on board. Yeah. It's also that you can be part of something successful. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. You know? And while everybody loves to root for an underdog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, we want to invest in successful things, mm-hmm. which really, you know, that's what we're asking donors to do. Mm-hmm. My curiosity comes in the no. I think the how, no. as fundraisers, how we handle no is as important, sometimes if not more important, mm-hmm. than how we handle yes. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you handle no, and how, how is that an opportunity? No comes often, more than we <laughs> yes, realize. Yes, it's just yes. part of the mix of our work. Yeah. And we can't take that personally. We can't yeah. feel like, oh, I just did this badly. I had this wrong approach. It doesn't mean that at all. Yeah. It means the timing may not be right for the person that you're speaking yeah. with. And so when I get no, when I get a no, I, I just often come back with like, you know what? Let's talk in a couple months. There's something coming up in the horizon that you might be interested in. I want to add you to our newsletter. Would you be willing to be added to our uh, quarterly newsletter to get updates about what we're doing? Um, So I do those types of things and then um, make sure that they get invited to some sort of activity, whether it's be a program activity to see the work in action Mm, or to be a guest at our our gala event, for example, Mm. to hear more about the organization. Mm. Oftentimes, when they see the stories on the screen about what's really being uh, being done that's impacting the lives of, of our community, they're willing to like, oh my God, I can't, I, I cannot say no. This is, I need to support this. So, involve, you know, asking them to be a guest, hosting them for an event or an activity is, I think, is is, is a good way to go. I love that your response is story. Yeah. Yeah. Is that uh-huh. your response to a no, a no is yeah. bringing them into the story of yeah. your organization. Yeah. Um, that perhaps <laughs> they don't have the full story to really, and yes, it may be a timing issue for them. It may sure. be a funding issue for them, all of those pieces, but also it may be some hesitancy around not knowing enough and mm-hmm. not knowing how their personal mission and the mission of your organization. I think how that's right. Really in alignment. Yeah. I love that. Well, wow. I have a speed round of questions for you because oh, I want to like <laughs> understand some pragmatic things about your day and how you actually orchestrate around fundraising. So okay. um, how much time are you actually with donors versus sitting at your desk? How much time am I spending with donors? Oh, my God. I am spending a lot of time engaging and interacting with donors on the regular basis. That's where I want to make sure I'm dedicating like 60, 70% of my day. Does that mean you're out of the office a lot of times? 
now I'm back out in the, uh, yeah, the office. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there was a time, as we all know, that everything was done Zoom, yeah. Yeah. via email, via phone. Now I'm getting back out there and having coffee dates, happy hour dates, all of those things, meeting with people, making the real connection happen. It's so good. So yeah. I love that. How often do you follow your donor on social media? Um, quite often. Uh-huh. <laughs> I make sure that I see them and yeah. what they're interested in. I get to learn more about that person. And if I'm comfortable after making some, you know, uh, uh, a series of conversations and connection happen, I, you know, ask them to be friends on Facebook. They often ask me the same thing. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a mutual situation, but I so like it. In reverse, how much is your social media a part of your fundraising work? Um, you know, I, uh, people are surprised that I don't put a lot of asks of my organization on my own personal page, yeah. but, uh, you know, I do that here and there, here and there. It's kind of strategic in, in when I feel like it's important. But what's strategic, and I'm going to name this because yeah. I think it's brilliant, is you're not putting your ass on social media. What you're doing is you are showing yourself at every turn in relationship that's, with people. To me, yeah. that's more powerful, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. more worth my time. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think people get to know you through your social media. And that's, yeah. I remember working with a development director a couple of years ago, in which she was shocked and horrified that I would follow donors' social media. And I was like, but that's how we share our our world. Like, that's how we connect to the world mm-hmm. often is this is the vacation I'm on. This is the thing I'm interested in. I know about you because of your social media that mm-hmm. you are a runner. Mm-hmm. And so when we sit down, I can ask you, how was your run? Totally. You know, I know about you that you have cats. I can ask uh-huh. you about your cats. <laughs> I know that you Rambo's have- Rambo's great. Great. <laughs> I love it. I know that you have nieces and nephews yes. and your family is local. Yeah. That all of that helps us to have- even deeper relationships. It's so, so good. It works. It's like it magic. It really it makes the conversations even more natural and more real. So when you actually when you when you meet with your supporters, and that's it's important. So then, how much of your time is phone versus email versus in person meeting? Hmm. It depends on how they want to be connected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's some folks from via email. That's that's how they respond. We talked about text earlier. Mm-hmm. Some folks are more often than not. Really? Some of my biggest donors are like, send me a text. <laughs> Seriously, it's so, I'm like, really? They're like, we know, we know. Just <laughs> let me know what you need. I, just, for, just for context, though, I feel like I need to give some context for folks. Okay, okay. Because when you send a text to some of these donors, you're not just saying, hey, come to my event. You're sending a text that says, I need 100 bucks. Can I have $50,000? <laughs> and you're getting yeses back uh-huh. via text. That yeah. speaks to me about your cultivation and relationship yeah, building. Mm-hmm. Because people, trust that you are a good steward of their funds and that you see them as a part of the work, which I think is really powerful. No, I thank you for saying that. I think it's, it's, you know, it just depends on the person. A a phone call is, is kind of the most common thing. People are still kind of coming out of the COVID and like they yeah. like the schedules that they had around just Zoom. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could, you know, we all kind of like the convenience, right? Sure. And folks are now starting to come back and do more things, uh, you know, over coffee, which is exciting. It just yeah. makes a big difference when it's kind of more one-on-one. So but I'm looking also, forward to more of that happening. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I think also, though, what that's saying, that it's important for 
some of our newer fundraisers or fundraisers who feel like I'm just getting walls, I'm just getting no's. Mm -hmm. What I've known to be true about you is asking donors how they'd like to be in conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. right. Yeah. If you continue to attempt to uh, converse with someone in a channel that they're averse to, Mm -hmm. you're already on the wrong foot. Right. Right. It's you're saying. I have one way, it's my way or the highway. What you need is not as important to me. And that already is telling them a story Mm -hmm, about their their relationship with the organization. Yeah. Um, And that shows you're not listening or paying attention to how to make this happen with this particular donor. So it's it's really important to pay attention and just follow up in the way that they they want to. Yep. So, yeah. Well, one last speed round question before we take a break. How many donors are you personally cultivating at once? Do you Uh, have like a docket you're working (laughs) with? Like, do you kind of carry a portfolio of donors, or is it just as many as you can manage? It's as many as I can manage, honestly. So yeah. it's it's because time is so limited for everybody, and um, you, you know it's it's broken out by list, like I talked about earlier. But it's it, you know there's a lot of overlap too. So yeah. um, when somebody's out on vacation, when my ED's out on vacation, then I'm you know taking a, taking a look at that list and making sure that. Those folks are, are hearing from us uh, about things that are happening, and so um, we. It was really interesting. The last three years, we've been operating all of our fundraising efforts alongside of a major capital campaign. Right. Oh yeah, just that, just that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a very uh, interesting kind of dance between meeting with our folks. Mm-hmm about supporting general operating work and program work at the organization. And then meeting with folks to talk about this facility, community space that we're building and getting them excited about that. So so that was an interesting process to go through. Uh, And we had to build out our team yeah, to and make that happen. Yep. What an incredible team you have right now, too. <laughs> you really have built out your team. I'm so grateful. The, the campaign work, though, gave you stories that were so rich. I mean, the number of communications that I received from you that was, hey, we want to let you know we broke ground. We want to share with you that we were featured on the local news. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just gave you lots of little tidbits that you were able to continually bring us in with, here's news. I have something to share. I want you to be a part of this. And that's powerful because I think that when donors are giving to an organization, they are as invested in the end results. And so feeling connected to the progress Mm -hmm. helps them stay included and a part of it. And often they show up with more support. Mm -hmm. That's true. It works. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm happy that I have a bigger team because now I've got like folks focused on contracts, focused on grants and foundation relationships. I've got somebody that's really more, James, is really owning up the corporate uh, relationships, uh, the business partners, which has been really helpful because that allows me to be free and accessible to our individual donor pool, which we've always been trying to build up at Latino Network, the organization I work for now. So, um, And we hired uh, last year a major donor uh, uh, officer uh, mm-hmm. to help, yeah, you know, build that with myself and with our executive director and board members. Real quick before we go to break, I do want to kind of pull back through the thread and the idea that you have said that I want to make sure doesn't get lost. 
And that's that all of you on the team have a list you're working. Mm -hmm. And the only way you get a list is by having good data. Yes, <laughs> to true. To understand the story of your donors and how they've participated true. and what that looks like. Yeah. That um, you're able, in making that list, you're already creating a strategy to success because mm -hmm. it's based on sort of what those pieces have looked like. I think sometimes there are aspirational lists we make that are not grounded in relationship mm -hmm. or history, and that can sometimes precipitate the volume of no. Mm -hmm. um, and so you've already teed yourself up in those conversations for success by even knowing what came before that conversation. Ah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's been a process to build that within our shop, but... You know, we've got a brand new donor database that's uh, that's really going to manage the more complex kind of situation oh, that good. we have Great. within our store, within our organization, which is really good. We're really excited about that. So, because now we're pulling in capital campaign donors to become ongoing yeah. contributors to the organization. These are new. A lot of them, a lot of them are new to Amazing. us. So we have a challenge of like. How are we going to keep them excited and engaged? Yeah. And that's been fun yeah. to do already just and, within the last few months. And for those of you listening, not watching this on YouTube, Juan said that with a huge smile <laughs> on his face. <laughs> if true. you couldn't hear it, I'm here to tell you it was right there. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to put Juan in the fundraising elevator. We'll be right back. Oh, cool. I'm excited. <laughs> in bringing people together. Our online learning platform for fundraising events has webinars, workshops, downloadable tools, and more designed to save you time and stress when planning your next event. We're getting nonprofit, development, and event planning professionals the tools and ideas they need to create events that inspire donors and raise more money. So join us at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes. Welcome back. This is the Fundraising Elevator. Sam and I are here today with the miraculous Juan Martinez, <laughs> fundraiser extraordinaire, uh, one of kind. the best development folks we know. He's spilling all the tea, letting us in <laughs> on the um, very mysterious craft, which just means cultivating relationships over time and knowing mm -hmm. when to make the ask. Happy to be here again. Yes. Thank you. Come into the elevator with us. We're going to go up to the penthouse. Okay. Talk to us about a gathering that was really great. Mm. that you attended and why why it was great. Hmm. It has to, I just love it when I'm at an event and the energy level is so high, there's uh, amazing people in the room connecting with one another, mm -hmm. um, happy to see each other. There's, of course, good food and drink being served. That makes a huge difference yeah, good yeah. food so you got to have a, a, a really strong caterer to make that happen the space has to look elegant and special unique like mm -hmm. people yeah. are gonna walk away remembering forever yeah it's about memorability like you know you want people to to never forget that experience so that they want to come back <laughs> so you've got to make it yeah. unique and special yeah. yep um and that can be from entertainment, but it's really about, I think, going back to storytelling, getting them to hear stories that are powerful. That's when they get excited and want to do something that is uh, meaningful, if we're talking about a fundraising event. So 
Yeah. I, you just had an incredible fundraising event. You broke <laughs> fundraising records for your organization. We're so happy. We're and, so excited. Well, it had all those check boxes that you yep. just said. It yep. had the connection. It had people that were really excited to be there. Um, what was the most memorable part of Notebea for you? Yeah. I think it was really uh, just the fact that we had such a big crowd. We were lucky mm-hmm. to have the size crowd that we did because we could accommodate, accommodate it at the uh, Portland Art Museum. And people were just, there was a high energy level and people were so excited to see each other yeah. and to reconnect after such a long time. We had an event last year, but it wasn't big or it wasn't as big. Right. Um, and so... Uh, it was just kind of next level for us this year. And then the run of show, you know, that was created in partnership with our consultants was spot on. It, it was seamless. Um, it really flowed in a way that uh, kept people excited and Good. engaged. Good. So you have to have a program that is powerful and, um, uh, you know, interesting. And uh, it keeps people paying attention. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a piece that doesn't get as much time and attention sometimes mm-hmm. in the midst of all the event planning, but really a lot of other things can go sideways. So true. If that's on the money. <laughs> um, let's jump back in the elevator and go down to the boiler room where all the tools Oh, it sounds live. hot. It does sound hot. Um, it's where all the tools are. What, what are a couple of um, sort of indispensable tools for you that you would recommend to mm. other fundraisers? And they can be like figurative tools, literal tools. Like, what are what are pieces that you carry with you and use? You know, when I one thing that comes to mind off the bat is when we plan out our our year of fundraising efforts and activities. Um, I make sure that we've got a, you know we've got our budget plan set, but then on top of that, I kind of I often layer push goals mm-hmm. so that we can just stretch. <laughs> Do a little bit more mm-hmm. about bringing people in. You know, if we have an event, we're going to try to do a bigger attendance or just gather more people. If we have uh, our year-end campaign that's X amount of dollars, that's great for the budget plan. Then we want to do a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so it's it's really about having that push goal and getting people excited about working toward that. So. You'll ask any of my team. They're like, yeah, push goals. We talk about them on a regular basis. <laughs> so it kind of stresses them out. But no, it's, it's all fun. It's, it's, yeah. it's just that challenge. It keeps it exciting and interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that you set the push goal, but you also celebrate when you land somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you may have a push goal of 700000 and your budgeted goal was 500 and you reach six, and that is incredible and amazing and celebration. Mm-hmm. That you don't let the push goal become like a disappointing, unattainable. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. but it yeah. just kind of urges you toward what else could we do? Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. And then another thing, I think in our toolbox, that we try to have these connectors that. Um, are willing to be more like ambassadors oh, to yeah. our organization that, that want to um, offer up uh, companies or individuals that we should can be connected to mm. so that um, we can engage them. So uh, those connectors are really vital to mm-hmm. just broadening the base of support. And that's been something that we um, have taken seriously and really valued during this capital campaign time for yeah. us at our organization. Oh, sure. It's like, Making sure that we ask the the person that we're meeting with, 
who else do you know in your world, in your community, that you think we should share this story with? And they don't often have a name on the spot, but they'll say, I'll get back to you on that. Mm -hmm. You just have to make sure you follow up with them. Right, yeah. Because they often will say, oh, yeah, I've had some time to think. Here's three names I want you to to reach out to, and you can use my name. Amazing. That's great. Connectors. Push goals. (laughs) It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, we are just so lucky to learn from you. I've learned so much from you in the time that we've been able to work together. So I appreciate you coming and sharing (laughs) with others. Um, If folks want to learn more about your organization, how how do they find Latino Network? Uh, It's just our website, I think, is a great. We just redid the website. So it's, yeah. So latnet.org is where you go into here and can see everything that's going on within our shop. Great. Well, you are growing by leaps and bounds. It's amazing to watch your work. And um, it's incredible to watch as your team grows the influence that you've had in coaching and mentoring and supporting your team. So thank you for being a mentor here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And good luck in your next fundraising campaign. Well, I appreciate you both so much for having me here today with you. This has been fun. This has been really good. I appreciate this. Thanks, Juan. All right. The Fundraising Elevator is produced in partnership with Swaim Strategies at the studios of the AV Department. The program is produced by April Clark and directed by Steve Osborne, with audio engineering and original music by Dwayne Anderson and Heidi Christensen. Video production by Chris Peterson, Whitney Gomes, and Nathan Bouquet. Video editing by Steve Osborne. Graphic design by Pendulum Creative Group and support from Sophia Keller, John Lyles, and Andy Dowsett. Loving the fundraising elevator, but wondering how you can talk to Sam and Kristen? Well, now's your chance to do it. Book one-on-one consulting time with Swain Strategies experts, Sam, Kristen, and Mary, and get all your event questions answered. Our team has you covered on strategic planning, fundraising strategy, storytelling, data tools, and registration support. Get the tools and the help you need to make the most impact at your fundraising event. Book at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes.